This is the podcast for June 29th, 2012. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from just outside the free clinic at the end of the universe, it's the professional left with Drift Class and Blue Gal. Your sound quality is really high today. That's good. I, I, I credit the surgery. I had my sound quality nipped and tucked, and now it's just <laughs> fucking flawless. Now I can play the robot on Lost in Space. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. We're recording this on Friday. So. We are. We wanted to wait until the Supreme Court destroyed America before we yeah. came on the podcast. And yeah. uh, 9-11, 9-11. This is like 1,200 9-11s. Yes, with, with Hitler on top. <laughs> it really is that bad, perhaps worse. And all the people that are moving to Canada. <laughs> Just to escape the socialism. <laughs> to escape the socialism and, yeah. the gay, and the gay marriage and the uh, atheism, you know, which... Yeah. Pam at Pam's House Blend had something about that on her Facebook page about, you realize that 45% of Canadians declare themselves as atheists. We have gay, they have gay marriage, socialized medicine, and abortion anytime you want. So, but ask. to escape the Obama tyranny, mm-hmm. we're moving to Canada. That's because they lack imagination, Blue Gal. Oh. They should be moving to Somalia. Somalia is really where they want to be. Cause That's it's what really... Andy Cobb and his people at... Uh, yeah. The partisans had to say about that. It's, you know, that was the paradise for libertarians libertarian was Somalia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no government, lots of guns. Yeah, Pretty hey. much whoever has the most amount of weapons rules the place. That is, if you think about it, you know, the people who fetishize uh, like John Wayne. What, the John, not John Wayne, who everyone knows was uh, gay, right? Had John sex. Wayne was not. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm just quoting uh, Repo Man. Repo Man. But hey, you know, we, we need to back up here. We need to back up for a minute. A couple things. All right. First of all, this is going to be podcast, a rush podcast because we are recording on Friday morning. And I, the quality of our recording might not be up to what you're used to because we're just going to rush this out and get it up today. Um, Drift Class is recovering from surgery this week. And oh, I as I joked with people, you know, you heard that David Brooks was at a Springsteen concert and you yeah. busted a gut. Literally. Busted, literally busted my gut, yeah. And had yeah. to have it sewn up. And it wasn't emergency surgery or anything, but we took care of it this week. and It was, it was necessary. Scary and scary. And I was scared. Surgery and it was, yeah. it was, um, it was fine. Everything yeah. worked out fine. Yep. I can heartily recommend um, the doctor I went to, the help and of care I received. Medicaid. Uh, the Medicaid. <laughs> Um, I was, I was, we were treated no differently than any other patient. We yep. received excellent care. Yep. I was in and out. It was, I have, I have waited longer at Walgreens to buy Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. Yeah. Than I have waited to get in and out of surgery. Yep. It was quite efficient. Yeah. And, um, it was, and they have me on hydrocodone, which is making everything just a little less crazy. Uh-huh. And gauzy <laughs> and beautiful. Look at the color. No, it's, it's just, uh, it's just a little pad between me and the uh the daily and the sharp pain that your yeah. your abdomen is giving you these days yeah. and and uh you're and getting was... up and around yeah i'm i'm proud of you. you you've done you do a lot better on surgery than i do so and on and on anesthesia so well i i that's I, all i have to it say it was it was quite an experience it was not yeah. it was nothing nothing life-threatening nothing etc no. but it was um it definitely put a crimp in our podcasting schedule. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And, and, uh, and here we are. Doc, but here we are. The doc stitched that crimp right up, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing, that on Wednesday, which was the day after your surgery, yeah. I was really depressed. And I was depressed because I thought we were going to lose on Thursday. Well, And I wasn't looking forward to podcasting <laughs> and trying to give hope to people after... This no. extremely conservative, in the tank for corporations, Supreme Court decided this ruling, and so not to. I don't want to pee in anybody's punch bowl and make you know this not a celebratory thing that the the Supreme Court decided the way they did. But this is not a win for socialism. Well, before you do that, Blue Gal, yeah, I think we should set the stage completely, dress <laughs> stage completely by saying that. While I was 12 hours out of surgery and dopey yeah, and yeah. in pain, yeah. you were sitting next to me negotiating with the internal revenue. Yeah, I was. I was, yeah. And and that worked out okay. Don't have to 
get into any details about I'm not losing my house. No. And the the woman on the the woman on the phone with me about the IRS and Mm -hmm. my taxes was very nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were things she could do for me and there were things she could not do for me. And it worked out. It worked out. It really did. But yeah, it's been a stressful week. I will say that. Really, I mean, and so here I, we have healthcare I, and taxes. Yeah, death and taxes <laughs> all together in one week. In one, well, in one forty-eight hour period. Yeah, I, in forty-eight. Really it's true. Recommend. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It was less than forty-eight hours. It was a twenty-four hour period because your surgery was mm-hmm. in the afternoon, and our, my phone call with the IRS was and this the is, next morning. Yeah. This is not to loop anyone into our particular universe, but to set the stage that Wednesday afternoon we were pretty wiped out. We were pretty we were well. sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're exhausted. Yeah, yeah, and emotionally and not, physically exhausted. Yeah. And if you had asked for a message of hope and deliverance from us on that day, you would have gotten a hearty "Go fuck yourself." Yeah, really. We need to rest now. <laughs> tired. We're very tired. And then, and then and Thursday we morning, we got up to this and I did what a lot of liberals did, which is once we figured out that the news was relatively good, we turned to Fox. Yes. And it is fascinating to watch, isn't it? From that outside perspective, and it's very sad to watch, too, to see what a lot of people are getting as their sole news source. And to see how deeply invested in failing, in screwing this president. Failing America, yeah, making sure that American citizens don't have health insurance just so that the other side loses. Yeah, and they were, I mean, they were... There was wailing and gnashing of teeth and rending of garments and tears, but it was the and it was and the the rhetoric coming out of the right was you weren't kidding at the introduction. This is this is worse than nine eleven. Yep. No, uh, no, that's what the, Mike Pence said. Yeah. yeah. This is the end of freedom as we know it. We are now an occupied country, blue gal, mm-hmm. and it, this is the end of liberty as we know. It. This is the end of America as we know it, and this is coming from. Michelle Bachman. Yep. It's coming from Fox Nation. It's coming from people on the right who actually have influence over the way their masses think and feel about them. And who run who who appointed this Supreme Court. I mean, their people appointed this Supreme Court for the most yep. part. And it's not you know, if you if you think this is bad edge of the teeth stuff, let me point out to you something else I learned on Facebook today. Four justices in the next four years will turn 80. Yeah. Yep. You want Romney choosing four Supreme Court justices? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. This, you know, those those emo progs who want it to be who want to be purists about this and and Obama has a lot of problems. And yes, this was a conservative health care oh. bill. This is and that's we talked a little bit about and I know other people have too that. One of the reasons, the sneaking suspicion that one of the reasons Roberts was cool with this is it yeah. gave money to corporations, yeah. gave power to corporations. So John Roberts loves him some corporations yeah. and does not like anyone limiting the power of corporations in any way. Mm-hmm. And this is another concern, you know, under the hood, pop the hood on this thing. This is a, a bill that, that herds millions of people and billions of dollars into the pockets of private corporations. Well, and, and not to interrupt you, but there was a, there's been comments with uh, Michael Savage uh-huh. saying that it's because Justice Roberts has epilepsy that he somehow mentally, mm-hmm. you know, made the wrong vote. Or and and Drudge picked up on this too. And I just want to say, you know, maybe Justice Roberts checked his stock portfolio before yeah. he went and voted. Yeah. Rather than checked his brain disease or whatever it is. You know, maybe he just checked his bottom line and what his stock in Blue Cross was going to do mm-hmm. once his decision was made down the road. Mm-hmm. What's good for what's good for his bottom line might be, you know, three <laughs> seven million new customers for private insurance. Yeah. And not it's hard for us to I mean, we know we, we're preaching to the choir on arguing for health care reform mm-hmm. uh, and we don't need to do that. But I think this freak out is on the right is, first of all, it I, I back up and I say, you know, if this had gone the other way, I would be making similar noises mm-hmm. uh, yeah. oh, about this being the end of the world. I, I mean, I really would be, and I. It bothered me so much on Wednesday to think about recording this podcast 
believing and really having little faith that this Supreme Court was going to do the right thing. I didn't think it would. I was very surprised that the case went the way it did. And I would be making similar noises, but it would be based on what happens to uninsured people. Mm-hmm. Rather than our side lost. Well, and and our side and our side lost, winning and losing, as we talked about, mm-hmm. um, is important in politics. It kind of matters. Yeah, it, is. it does. Yeah, winning really does matter, or else you yeah. don't get to do anything. Yeah. But I was never deeply invested in the ruination of the Bush administration because I just didn't like George Bush. Yeah. The yeah. idea of Bush derangement syndrome. Uh, a, term coined, of course, to be dismissive of anybody who criticized the Bush administration is so – this is where – this is why we can't talk to each other. Yes. Because yeah. it, if, you, if you held the conservatives' eyes open with clockwork orange clamps and showed them, I'm not angry at George Bush because he's a dope or he's a moron or his vice Or he's a Republican. I'm not mad at him because he's a Republican and that's – the Here point. are the specific things that yeah. he did as president that are, by your own expressions of what a president should and should not be able to do, are treasonous and impeachable. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again. Here's criminal negligence. Here's all. This is shit that again would be a footnote. Um, Bill Clinton's entire parcel of witch hunting hearings and impeachment is is a footnote in what Bush did in any given year of his presidency, and. So I'm not invested in the... And I, I'm even willing to forgive George Bush as a ruse to Cheney being the one that did a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was you a know? Yeah. He was a front yeah. man. Yeah. But I and was, if you think I he's was, a front man, wait till Romney gets elected. Oh, my God. Well, and I, but I, yeah. I don't... There might there are certainly liberals out there who just hated George Bush with bright flame that was never going to be misdirected. And I, yeah. I really despise the Bush administration, but for what it was doing, mm-hmm. for actions it was taking, yeah. Yeah. not for the imaginary boogeyman. And so when you see the right losing its shit ten seconds after Obama is sworn in, yeah. and the Tea yeah. Party popping into existence with Coke money and Fox News coverage bare weeks after Obama, before he's had a chance to do anything. Yeah. And then just piling on, you know, four days after he's in office, you know, he, well, it's, it's the Obama recession. Yeah. And, yeah. Just and, and George them. Bush isn't president anymore, Michelle, uh, not Michelle Bachman, Michelle Malkin. I, Malkin. Excuse me, I'm getting my Michelles mixed up. Yeah. Michelle Malkin, you know, George Bush isn't president anymore two minutes <laughs> after nope. Bush, Bush's copter flies off, but she wrote a book about Obama's lack of transparency that came out in, what, March of yeah. 2009? So she had to have written that before he was, before the inauguration. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the point being, there, there were specific criminally um, incompetent high crimes and misdemeanors yeah. committed by the yeah. Bush administration, yeah. which, according to the rhetoric that conservatives used all during the Clinton administration, should have had them furious, should have made them as angry as any liberals, and they yeah. weren't. They sat on their asses and clapped. Yep. At, at all of the, and then, ten seconds after the black guy from Chicago was sworn in, they lost their fucking minds, and they, they dedicated themselves to taking him down, and they did it by lying, by lying all day, every day, by making shit up constantly, just a, a constant fire hose of bullshit that really knocked a lot of um, Democrats off their feet because they couldn't believe that they were fighting yeah. birthers, yeah. yeah, and they were fighting yeah. death panel bullshit. And that the fact that neither of those was true was insufficient to stop the people from screaming about them, thus demonstrating to me that they really never understood the nature of the enemy they were fighting. Yeah. They're fighting yeah. against conservative or, or Confederate fanatics yep. who just lost the Battle of Gettysburg. And that's, they, that's Gene Schmidt. Yeah, Gene Schmidt. They thought just, they were invincible. Yeah, they thought yeah. they thought their Robert E. Lee, they thought they were going to win this fucking thing. And they were, and Karl Rove's permanent Republican majority was finally going to come true, and that the great evil monster that they have built Barack Obama into was finally going to be destroyed. The stake would be driven through his heart, and his presidency would never recover from it. And it wasn't because they thought health care was bad. It's because all of the lies that they have ingested about to make their fantasies seem real have become real to them. 
And therefore, to a conservative, Barack Obama is a monster because they've made him into a monster in their own subconscious. He is their worst racial inferiority nightmare come true. And yesterday, they lost to him. And they were sold out by one of their own. And they just, they just fell apart. And now they're angry. And now they want revenge. <laughs> now that, now we move on to the next battle. But it's such a contrast between real anger over policy and consistency. And here's what you said when Clinton was president. Here's what you said when Bush was president. A, a real anger over principle. Do you think all Americans should have health care? Now we can honestly disagree over that. If you, you know, if you really believe that no, um, there should be no social safety net. People should just live and die by their own wits. Corporations should have absolute power over your life, and the government should just die and get out of the way. If you believe that, fuck, great, run on that. But you can't say that in public. So you have to make up these these fantasies, these lies about what you're really talking about. What you're really talking about is a oligarchy, is is a yeah. country run by corporations and human beings. And, and since you service corporations, since that's your thing, um, since you worship them, th- that you're okay with that. I'm not okay with that, but you are. Fine. Run on that. But you can't. So you're stuck making up crazy birther um, lies to, to paper over the fact that you really believe this country should be run as a private enterprise. And you, you end up with reality biting you in the ass every time that that lie pokes through the, the fig leaf you put over it. Yeah. And that's what yeah. happened yesterday. It's it's their profound, deep, racist hatred of Barack Obama poked through their little fantasy. And they can't stand it. Yeah. So they're they're losing their shit. I, I wanted to read a letter that came in this week and I the person asked me not to use his name or in any way identify him, so I will not do that. Uh but it it's a good letter. Um Dear Driftglass and Blue Gal, I wanted to write you again to tell you I love your show. I have now made the transition to paid field organizer for the Democratic Party in my state. I am working basically alone out of a small rural town. I just spent the day being certified to register people to vote. The rest of the people in my training were all 50 and older, middle class white women. I am a 22-year-old black male. It is crazy what being a Democrat and organizing can do. (laughs) Uh. What I really wanted to write about was how the Supreme Court's ruling on the ACA was handled in this particular circle. Uh, Let me first use me and my 30-year-old boss's reaction as a counterbalance. My boss, my coworker, and I spent all day yesterday arguing about the berating of the 1% as well as the three main veins of the Republican voter. We are all fairly educated and inclined to base our discussions on history and economic realities. The reaction in my office out here in this Republican, generally Republican area, among these well-to-do, very liberal, older white women was, well, naive. They wanted to celebrate, pop champagne bottles, and revel in the victory that we were able to to achieve today. I can tell you I'm very happy that the Supreme Court did the right thing. But I also realized that spiking the proverbial football in such a shallow manner left me feeling kind of sick. Mm -hmm. I can see that while they truly do care, their reasons for caring are not the same as yours or mine. You and I care because this is what America needs to fundamentally change the plight of the poor and the disadvantaged in this country. Mm -hmm. For them, it was more like, hey, my guy won. Suck it, Republicans. It reminded me of all the pictures I see on Facebook of young, wealthy, generally white sorority girls from the numerous rich kids' schools that my peers attended, including my own, who volunteer at an inner-city boys' and girls' club or take a few trips to Africa and change all their profile pictures to them with these adorable little black kids. I can say with some certainty that within five to ten years, they will not remember their names, nor will they care about what has become of those kids. It is an attitude I see a lot in uh, a lot of liberals' minds. They know what the right thing is, but they only do the right thing to validate themselves. And they've done the right thing. Validate themselves that they've done the right thing. Mm-hmm. Call me jaded or a cynic, but I've lived for too long straddling the divide that is white America and black America to attribute it to anything else. I love the time, effort, and commitment that these 
women and men give to certain causes, but I am tired of causes being seasonal. I just want people to sit back and look at the monolithic and evil block that is the modern Republican Party and say, we have to fucking break their kneecaps and make sure they know they lost. Mm -hmm. I cannot take a partial victory. I want America headed the right way. And when we see minuscule victories as times for celebration, instead of realizing that this was one out of the first inning of the biggest damn baseball game in history... I'm not quite sure that I can believe victory is in our immediate future. I love your program, and you guys have helped me to grasp so much history and perspective. As soon as I get paid, I will be sending a contribution, if however slight. Thanks again. Thank you for that letter, and I wanted you to comment on that, if you would. I, I, well, I threw that out at you, I know. Yeah. But. And here I am. I'm, I'm dopey on hypercodone. <laughs> You know, I'm just staring at my hand. Well, what I find interesting, what I find interesting about this letter, and and the reason I wanted to ask you about it is, he is kind of your counterpart because yeah. here is a African American male, young male who went to a private school, yeah. and considers himself straddling black and white America. Yeah, you're a white guy who has worked both as a member of an African-American family and as a worker in various organizations that were predominantly African-American. Yes, and served uh, a, a predominantly disadvantaged population, mm-hmm. whether that be people who were in prison or yep. freshly out of prison or pe- just a, a variety of people who usually are on the... Yeah, you know, hungry people. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You've, you've been in that kind of service environment of serving populations that are predominantly African-American. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. And so I'm interested in, you know, he he is perceiving himself as an outsider among white liberals who are on his side. Yeah. But are. But are, but are outsider. But, but he's an outsider. He, uh, first of all, it's a great letter. It is a great letter. Yeah. Uh, um, second of all, I think that anybody who um, gets to be – this is going to be a little circuitous, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. Um, every writer I know, almost without exception, is an outsider. Every, every, every yeah. writer I know and yeah. like is an outsider yep. because outsiderism is a, is a blessing in a lot of ways. It's a curse in lots of ways too. Uh, it's painful and it's alienating and it's um, – you know, I, I once said my um, – uh, my family, who I love dearly, uh, uh, suffers from xenogenesis, which is giving birth to an alien. Yeah. <laughs> your, um, mom, your mom finally figured that out when you kind yeah. of told her, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not from this planet. Yeah. <laughs> and I love them to death, and I get all of my best attributes from from my, you know, I've, I've said before, when raising kids, which is a, a job I never had any formal training in, um, I open my mouth and my mom pops out. Yeah, yeah. And the best of her, the best of my brother, the best of my sister, the best of my stepfather all pop out, which is just magical that that I would have absorbed all of their good lessons on some level. Um, but being an outsider is is a um, terrible blessing. It lets you see things that other people cannot see. They just can't. They're just not. It's it's. They have filters. They're part of a community. They're part of a mindset. And unless you are lifted out of that, like Mr. A flat from Flatland, and shown the three-dimensional panorama that you didn't even know was there from a two-dimensional perspective, mm-hmm. you will never know those exist. Yeah. And that's fair. It's not. It's not a commentary on anything other than human nature. Um, so, all the. All the all the writers I like the most are weirdos and outsiders and goofs, and they provide a very valuable service. One of the things that outsiderism can do, along with some knowledge of literature, some knowledge of history, some you know some dilettante knowledge of of human nature and psychology, um, and religion, religion plays a really important role here too. Is you can sort of sit on the mountaintop and look at the panorama from a great distance. And see the the whole battlefield, and see that on the larger battlefield we are losing. Yeah. Um, we we are winning individual engagements, but we're losing the war. Now we won't lose it forever because um, history and the sweep of human um, um, evolution will not permit it. 
the the ideals of of liberalism and the ideals of a humane government that is also beneficial to markets helps people prosper helps people stay healthy and and protects people from the worst vicissitudes of uh, a market-based economy is in our future the question is are we going to evolve into it or do we have to just have a bloody fight to get there every fucking step of the way and you didn't even mention the environment you know, no. and that's another that's another urgent issue that it will it will force you know. it, our hands will be forced sooner than we wish. Yeah, um, and and I I am real um, I'm very very um, loath to analogize anything to World War II because World War II was unanalogizable. It was there was so much going on there that but we're we're fighting a war on many fronts mm-hmm. um, against many different groups, um, and we keep mistaking winning battles for winning war. Yeah. And in the end, um, I'll, I'll go with I'll, I'll go with Sherman. I'll go and mind you, I'm pulling this all out of my dope-addled ass. So <laughs> pardon me if I get this wrong. But surveying the Civil War, I think I have this correct. It was William Tecumseh Sherman who did many many bad things in his life after the war and before, but who surveyed the Civil War and said, "No, no, we're going to have to destroy them." Yeah, yeah. And nobody wanted to believe him. He said, no, no, we're going to have to, we're going to have to wipe them. We're going to have to crush them. We're going to have to absolutely, because they're never going to stop fighting until they are destroyed. Looking at the, the, um, Imperial Japanese Army, they're never going to stop fighting until we nuke them, until we absolutely force them to stop doing that. And in a certain metaphorical way, the right is never going to stop fighting for their idiotic, racist, fanatical beliefs until they are absolutely crushed until they're absolutely forced at as as was true in the civil war at gunpoint mm-hmm. <laughs> um as was true in the civil rights movement at the at the, the national fight. guard is going to have to be guard, called out until they are right. forced right. because we keep and i I'm, I'm imputing things to liberals that it's probably unfair to do but this is sort of compressed for the sake of good narrative the harassment and destruction of planned parenthood and the shooting of abortion doctors, the terrorizing of abortion clinics, is not separate from the issue of election fraud. Yep, exactly. It is not separate from the issue of corporate power. These are all their issues. And they've been fighting on a unified front. They want to get, they want, what they want is so clear in their actions. You don't need to take my word for it. Just Mm -hmm, look at mm -hmm. what they value. Mm -hmm. They want to get rid of liberal government. Yep. Government that does anything for anyone other than force women to behave like chattel yeah. and let corporations do whatever the fuck they want. That's their value. And, and silence non-whites. Yes. And and racism, again, is at the core of so much of this, and that's why taxes are evil. Right. Because they go to benefit – they don't go to benefit – <laughs> they don't go to benefit uh, defense contractors ever, right? Never. <laughs> they only go to benefit brown people who are not me. And it's the number of people who said, including Sarah Palin, who you, it just curled your hair yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rationing. This is going to lead to rationing. Well, you see, only mention rationing if you're getting health care already. Yeah. Well, and yeah. she she made, and this was on Fox News, and I made the mistake of not turning mistake, to I, Greta Van Susteren. I, I flipped back and forth between Rachel Maddow, who was pointing out <laughs> you know, tent cities being run by the military, run by the army in uh, Alabama, uh, in like Alabama, yeah, yeah. thousands of camp out for days for basic, basic medical care, basic dental care, really, really, really life saving direct intervention health care. Because they there was they could get it no other way. There was no other way for them to access health care, given their poverty. Mm-hmm. And that is simply a fact. The army did this because a they did it, and b it was good practice. They said for third world countries and disasters where they might have to do this, which is horrifying on many levels. But flipping from that, literally flipping the channel from that scene to. Sarah Palin saying, and the 50% of the moochers in this country, the freeloaders who don't pay any, who think they're going to get free health care. Well, you got another thing coming. It's just just the, <sighs> the, the, the hatred in her voice, the, yeah. the real seething, venomous hatred in her voice for half of this country. 
who sh- this this woman who wears a giant cross on her chest mm-hmm. and yeah, and who's, yeah. who is self lobotomized to the point where she cannot see the 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 grotesque hypocrisy of wearing a cross on your chest while despising the poor. And she's the one who bragged about crossing into Canada to buy drugs with her family, that it, one of the fun trips they did as a family in Wasilla was to drive over to Canada to get drug, get prescriptions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's, well, she's but, blind. She is but, absolutely blind. But it's, it's an absolutely uniform, it is a consistent battlefront. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a fractal. It's a, it's a little, it's a fractal which repeats itself over and over again. It's a yeah. virus that repeats itself over and over again. If you, you scratch a fanatically anti-abortion lunatic, you scratch an NRA gun nut, you scratch an anti-tax nut, you find the same little chemical reaction going on in their brain over and over again. And I, just, they, I, they, I hate to bring this up to your class, but Sarah Palin gets a guaranteed paycheck to do that. <laughs> And you and I don't get a guaranteed paycheck to do this. It makes me but, so mad. But but and, but here's and here's the here's the gigantic. You know, here's the big picture. Yeah. If we continue to pretend that taking on people who oppose Planned Parenthood yeah. is a single battle issue, that right. we will right. we will get a bunch of very well intentioned, mm-hmm. somewhat dilettantish liberals to fund. A, a, a small group of, of hardy adventurers to take on. And then those, those dilettantes will, will close their purses up again and close their wallets up again and go away. Mm-hmm. Because that battle's over. We will lose. Because the battle is not with people who oppose Planned Parenthood or people who are, or Wayne LaPierre. The battle is with the conservative heart of the Republican Party. Yeah. And yep. we have to, and and the weird the weird thing is, liberals in a sense are much more conservative, small c than conservatives are. We just want to be left alone. Yeah, we would rather not have this fight. We would rather you just shut up. And you know what? If you want to do things your way, go do them that way. Mm-hmm. But we have a social compact in this country, and I know you don't like it. And we have we have a long history of helping each other in this country. But under- and they benefit from that. That's well, they, the no, they thing. Don't. They, oh, they, oh they have, come on! They, They're they, all on disability or social security or public school they, educated or they whatever. Don't see it. They don't. I see know. It. I know. That's why they can fight. That's why you know. That's why Imperial Japan can ally with Nazi Germany. Well, and we have to get and, to and, centrism now, and well, we have and, to talk the, about. We have to talk about what Mark McKinnon said yesterday. Well, and it. We have to understand that um, under the hood, they're all the same. Yep, and 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 all, the, we, and all the battles are the same. Yeah, and unless we yeah. unless we understand that the enemy is not um, Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because if you get Rush Limbaugh on the air, someone else will be swung into position to take his place. Mm-hmm. Get Glenn Beck off the air, someone else will pop up. The enemy is the movement itself, and there's no way to get rid of it other than to get rid of it. And that's the battle. That's the real battle. So, given that that's the battle. Given that that's the problem, um, conservatism is the problem. The Republican Party is the problem. And lots of people are slowly, grudgingly, haltingly, people like Andrew Sullivan, being forced almost at gunpoint to admit that, yes, I can't say the word liberals because I can't admit liberals are right all along. But, yes, the problem in this country is conservatives. The problem in this country is the Republican Party. They are the problem. Until we get rid of them, until we – until we – sequester them until we isolate them, until we get them to hell off the stage, all of our other problems will go unsolved because they simply will not permit them to be addressed as long as they have political power. So, who aids and abets them? Who, who are their allies? Who are their Italian allies in this battle? And their allies are centrists. Yeah, and that's that's I wanted to talk about that because Mark McKinnon had so much candor Mm-hmm. At, at the moment that this happened, uh, to have to react rather, you know, within an hour or so of the of the decision coming down. Mm-hmm. And his answer was essentially, we well, you know centrists and independent voters love a winner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you just admitted that your no labels thing is total bullshit, that it's yeah. it's about it's weak people who don't want to have a political opinion, who don't want to make waves, they just want to side with the, the person winner. who wins, 
or the person who appears strong. Now, now, you want to remind people who Mark McKinnon is. Mark McKinnon is. is. And who he was. Well, who he was. He was in the Bush White House. Yes, he was. He was an advisor to George W. Bush. And having gotten his ass handed to him, uh, and having been driven out of his party by the forces he helped unleash, he decided the real problem was partisanship on both sides. Both sides do it. And so he did what Tom Friedman did, what David Brooks did. He you know, went through his Rolodex of very rich people. And got some moron to fund him. In that his moron life. was the mayor of New York City. Yes. Drift glass. <laughs> Michael Bloomberg. To fund his stupid movement that – because it is – again, the, the conservatism and centrism lean against each other like two drunks. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. cannot survive without each other because the minute you reach the conclusion that the problem is the right, the problem is the Republican Party, you are immediately faced with a moral – decision you can know and and the only escape from having to choose whether to side with bad people or good people is the is the utopia of centrism that is your spider hole that's your out that's your back door oh well if both sides are equally wrong then i don't have to choose anything well and this is there was a beautiful example of that when marco rubio was on this week it's hard to believe it was this week because this week has gone on so for so long but Marco Rubio was on Daily Show this week, and what did he say when Jon Stewart pushed him to say, Mm -hmm. you know, your side is really pushing for some crazy shit here, Mm -hmm. and his answer time and time and time again was, well, Democrats and Republicans, well, both sides, well, both both parties, both sides of the aisle, and finally he just said, our leadership won't let us. And that's when I lost it because I, I, I tweeted that, you know, you're a senator, Marco Rubio. If you want to die on the hill of Senate reform, I'm with you. Yeah. But I'm not a senator. You are. <laughs> you are. And you can stand up. You're and one of 100 people and you can stand up and scream your head off at uh-huh. your colleagues and say, bring this to a vote. And yeah, you, and make a difference, and you can you, die on that hill. If you do a, a, a little search on Drift Glass, Marco Rubio Rush transcript. Oh yeah, um, because it was so. I mean, it really. It, um, um, Harlan Ellison. Everybody has, take a drink. Everybody take a drink. Although he's not a science fiction writer. Yeah, we has know. This lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it? <laughs> well, has this lovely um, idea. Uh, he doesn't write for television. Doesn't like to write for television, but he but he he loves what it can do for you. He said it's like an Aladdin's lamp. You know the idea that you wrote this thing and then somebody boom made it come true right before your very eyes. He's, there's something magical and over and really powerful about that as a writer. That a whole bunch of people got together and made what was just in your imagination real in the real world and filmed it is is quite a powerful thing. And watching Marco Rubio. Um, who has obviously been trained within an inch of his life mm-hmm. by whoever the fuck does marketing. Mark McKinnon. Training. Mark McKinnon. <laughs> A Mark McKinnon school. Yeah. And yeah. Frank Luntz. Um, every single time, um, John, John Stewart, Stewart yeah. who is who is no prize himself sometimes. No, he really. Desperately he does that both sides stuff a lot. He yeah. desperately wants both sides to be wrong. And he, he stayed in, staged an entire rally around that. He's yeah. largely given that up. But he is one of those people who really fanatically wanted wanted something that was empirically untrue to be true and just is irritated that it's not mm-hmm. and is frustrated because he wants to be able to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday or Monday, Wednesday. I'll go after Democrats, Tuesday, Thursday, Republicans. Mm-hmm. He wants that because that's his audience. He wants both sides. He wants lots of people to watch his show. And unfortunately, the, the world he actually lives in is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the right wing are the problem. Yeah. And to pretend otherwise makes you look stupid, and your audience knows you don't. You're not stupid, so you end up over dramatizing things that the left does. And but but Marco Rubio goes on your show, yeah, and he says, but yeah, but you guys filibustered more in you know, one year, or whatever, or yeah. two years than the entire history of the Senate. Well, you know, Democrats and Republicans, John. Well, you know, both sides, John. And I mean, right there in front of you, it is so clear. That the the spider hole, mm-hmm. the firewall that prevents the righteous judgment of history from crashing down on conservatives' heads and destroying them is centrism. Yeah. Because 
every time Marco Rubio says, well, you know, maybe my, my party does bad things, but you know both sides, John. So, you know, somewhere in centrist heaven, a David Brooks angel gets its wings. Yep. yep. And there's an entire multi-billion dollar media industry devoted to selling this one lie. And the thing that that yeah. busts my gut, if you will. And did. <laughs> and did. Is that there is an entire industry devoted to to um, um, unmasking Rush Limbaugh. And then masking Sean Hannity and taking on the media matters and, and pretty much the entire left wing blogs and uh, MSNBC are all devoted, except for MSNBC now employs one bint on its midday show, which is a, another issue entirely. But there's an entire industry of people on the left devoted to unmasking the right and they scream at each other across this divide. There is no comparable effort devoted to taking on the right's ally which is centrism. And yet, when, that's their retreat. That's how they yeah. get out of being um, wiped out. And being they, scrutinized, yeah. yeah. They crawl into this fucking spider hole and say, but both sides, but both sides, but both sides. And the only way we're going to win, I'm totally convinced, the only way we're going to win against conservatives is by destroying their capacity to say both sides do it in public, to be laughed at. They will be laughed at every time they say it. Yep. And there are there are five or six people on the left that I know of who who are doing this. I'm one of them. Yeah, and, and there are some. There's someone at Gawker of... that's doing that and calling it a fetish. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it is. It's a media it fetish to keep things on an even keel. So there's a horse race for ratings, mm-hmm. and, but, and also f- the collaborators like David Gregory who do it for on purpose to help the Heidi hole. And you will see. People like Rachel Maddow come right up to the edge and say, the media is really irresponsible when it comes to Mitt Romney lying all the time. What she means is the media, like my colleague David Gregory, but she can't say that. And so she won't say that. And I I understand being constrained by the organization you work for. Believe me, there are any number of organizations (laughs) I've worked for that I have been doing good work as I worked for them, but other things they were doing I profoundly disagreed with. But I didn't take them on. I didn't attack them because I thought the work I was doing was worth the price I had to pay to walk away from the other shit they were doing because I couldn't really do anything about it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I get when you work for a company, there's certain there's, you got to eat some shit if you want to get your good work done. I get that. But the truth of the matter is, Rachel, the truth of the matter is, Lawrence, your colleague David Gregory is is the problem. Mm-hmm. And until it comes out of your mouth some night that, no, the problem in this country is the reason the right never gets taken to the woodshed is because every time someone tries, David Gregory pops his greasy little head in the middle of the mix and says, well, you know, but, but Democrats are just as bad. Until somebody- And invites Newt Gingrich on his show and gives him an yeah. uninterrupted 20 minutes to lie and, and mm-hmm. never ask him about anything he said on his show before. And until yeah. he is taken out in public and just – verbally beaten like a rented mule. Mm-hmm. This is just going to keep going on and on. And we're never going to win because it's, we're fighting in sand. And every time we, ch- we think we have a foothold, the floor collapses out from underneath us because, you know, both sides blow gal, both sides, both sides. And, 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 and there's also an industry out there to reinvent the Republican Party every time it fucks up. Yeah. So, and, and the idea that Karl Rove is still on television as a new different kind of crossroads, different thing that he's doing now. You know, that's not related to the Tea Party at all. Crossroads is not related to the Tea Party. There's something completely different. I don't fault him for the effort. I really don't. I really don't (laughs) fault him for the effort to try to weasel out of it. Yeah. It's not, you know, he's the criminal. Yeah. Yeah. David Gregory's the cop on the beat, and the fact and lets that the him cop on do the beat it. Yep. sees the crime committed in front of him. See, every time Newt Gingrich opens his racist pie hole and lobs another bomb into the middle of our political discourse, and David Gregory invites him back on the air, never challenges him, and just lets him have his way. That's David Gregory, the cop on the beat's way of saying, well, yeah, the, the criminal I see in front of me actually um, mugging someone. Maybe wrong, but I'm pretty sure somewhere across town there's a liberal doing the same thing. So I'm not going to enforce anything because that would be unfair. Fuck you. Do your fucking job, David Gregory. And it doesn't. And, but again, it doesn't really matter how angry I get or you get, Blue Gal, or anybody gets. David Gregory is part of a club of people who are completely protected from any judgment. Any no one can touch them. And until until centrism becomes a dirty word, 
he's going to be able to keep doing this bullshit and Mark Halpern's going to be able to keep doing this bullshit and the right will always have a place to hide when things go wrong under as, as under David Gregory's capacious skirts. Like they used to say about Grandma's Nighty, it covers everything. Centrism covers everything. Hippie punching and centrism. Until those two things are, are, are taken off the table, we're going to keep losing. Have you been watching The Cycle on MSNBC, this new show that's on the air? <laughs> why, why, yes, Blue Gal. I watched it just yesterday. And I watched... Um, and I've written a post about it at Crooks and Liars that will be up this afternoon on the front page. It's, it is a very good post. It's, uh, uh, it is now at uh, Video Cafe, if you would like to read it. Yeah. But uh, S.E. Cup is one of the four um, junior charming. members, ch- charming and young uh, junior members of the media these days, who is being either groomed or trained or somehow given a summer replacement show. S.E. Uh, Cup Fox News employee. Former Glenn Beck employee. Yeah. 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 And uh, she and uh, Crystal Ball and... Toure and the fourth guy who's the the white guy with the glasses is on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will Steve look Kornacki. him up. Yeah, that's right. Steve Kornacki. Steve Kornacki, who, as you say, looks like he's waiting for someone to pour milk on his cereal. Yeah, they all do. <laughs> they all look like they have somebody to pour milk on their cereal before they come out. And I'm not trying to be nasty because they are the future. They are the future of, of MSNBC, and that's fine. Except for Essie Cup, that's fine. But Essie Cup. But Essie Cup did something yesterday that was okay. hilarious. I, well, she for, and this is where this is what we're talking about. Exactly what we're and talking it's about. Thing. It's a very small thing, and it happened very quickly. And I went, "What? What did she just say?" Well, and Teray um, went, "Huh? <laughs> yeah. Same thing." Uh, Ooh. She, she asserted um, in that kind of um, um, absolutely declarative, mm-hmm. conservative way, a fact that was simply a fucking lie. And it was and that this, well, first of all, we have to, everyone has to acknowledge now that Fortune magazine is a commie liberal rag in yes. the tank with Barack Obama, right? Yeah. Because they spent six months, this reporter mm-hmm. at, <laughs> this reporter at mm-hmm. Fortune magazine spent six months actually interviewing people involved with Fast and Furious on the ground. She spent an entire Friedman unit interviewing people on the ground. (laughs) On the ground in Arizona. Prosecutors and FBI agents and ATF agents and on and on and on. Investigated where the drug dealers are, what the laws are. This was reporting. This is and this is something I said in my post. This is something I don't do as a blogger. I don't do that. That's not my purview. I'm a partisan commentator. I don't pretend to go find facts. Facts are on my laptop. I look at them and then I comment based on my partisan yep. views. And there, there are some issues about which we do have special knowledge. First-hand knowledge of motherhood and Medicaid and food stamps. I have first-hand knowledge of those programs because I've yeah. been on them. Okay. But Essie Cup when confronted with the Fortune magazine six-month fact-based investigative report mm-hmm. said As to Ture, oh, well, you know, and by the way, that's been debunked. Yeah. And he that's asked her, oh, really? Because this could be really interesting. It's been this huge article that everyone's talking about. Wow, it's been debunked. Who but, but who, who could have debunked it? Slow it down to uh, <laughs> to to. 38 RPMs. Yeah. And it was... Saying that it had been debunked is something that David Gregory would let pass. It's just... This person's on my panel. Yeah. This is Fox News bullshit that S.E. Cup forgot to tuck in her Fox News... Purse. Uh, Let's just say purse. (laughs) Her purse. Well, coming on the air, she forgot that she just can't say... She just can't lie. Yeah. And walk away from it but she just tossed off well that's been debunked yeah. you know that, that's just been debunked yeah. and and he asked by whom he, he said who, who well, debunked it but she is obviously not used to anyone asking her anything about the bullshit that comes out of her yeah. mouth because that just isn't done on right, fox right, you just right. don't ask questions like prove it prove it yeah. like what if fact who said that 
So on the right, you can just say, well, the, the, the Fortune article has been debunked, and that's it. Oh, obviously, it's, she said it, therefore it must be true. Mm-hmm. But in this case, yeah. uh, Toure said, really? Who debunked it? And she had to say, oh, Town Hall. Yeah. You can read about it at Town Hall. Town Hall, the right-wing lunatic pest hole, the group blog full of the worst kind of bottom-feeding wingnuts, um, debunked this article. Well, and, and the just, article at Town Hall was, oh, those ATF agents are a bunch of liars, buy my book. <laughs> I mean, that was – it was yeah. some Hugh Hewitt flunky saying – uh, federal government, ATF agents lie, buy my book. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that, that, that follow-up question, that, that yeah. really back up the bullshit that just came out of your, your mouth with facts yep. is something that simply doesn't happen in the media. And that's, you know, that's what reporters do. Yeah. When you assert something that, that doesn't sound right, a reporter will say, really? Where did you hear that? Yeah. Who can I talk to about that? When did that happen? Under what circumstances? But obviously, she is used to an environment where the bullshit she slings yeah. is simply never questioned. Yeah. Yeah. And she got caught looking like the idiot. Well, that and she, she knew wear. it. She knew it. Yeah. She yeah. knew when she well, – you, you, you can read about it at all. Like, she had to finish her yeah. sentence because she was on camera. But uh, she was not expecting that question. Where has it been debunked? What happened? Who said it? Why? But in her, and again, this is where you, you slow this down to yeah. super super high speed. In her mind, yeah. this issue was was no longer relevant yeah. or open yeah. for discussion because in her mind, some Hugh Hewitt flunky on town hall saying it ain't so is sufficient for her to check off that box in her mind. Say, oh well, then then. Both, you know, who knows what's true? Yeah, who knows what's true? Oh, sure, on the one side, <laughs> yeah, both sides are saying crazy shit. You know, one side has all this reporting, and the other side has this guy who says it ain't true. Um, but the attorney general's in contempt of Congress. We know that. Yeah. yeah. And and but you can watch <laughs> her tiny little gerbil wheel conservative yep. mind just blow up. Really, on to the yeah, next. Yeah. Thing. Well, and it blew up in front of her. Because she was at the big kids' table all of a sudden, right. the big people's table, and oh, e- and she is not. Oh, I'm not allowed to smush my peas up my nose. Oh, this cup, <laughs> as I said in my post, mm-hmm. you can make your your nerd glasses as big as you want. You can make them giant. You can make them the size of twin drive-in screens. It doesn't matter. You're still an idiot. You're still a mouthpiece for an evil bunch of people. And you can laugh and chortle and joke with the other kids and, and, and toss your hair and look as cute as a button and wear the biggest damn pair of glasses you can lay your hand on. You're still a fucking moron and you're still a liar. And MSNBC should be ashamed of itself for putting someone like that on the air. Yep. Period. Yeah, they should. They should. And maybe she'll be, you know, maybe she'll be on the Hugh Hewitt conservative cruise in January after they she lose. Could she could be. You know, that would be something. We're going to end here because it's time to end. And yeah. <laughs> my drugs are wearing off. <laughs> because drip glasses, drugs are wearing off. But but I do want to add one other thing. Imagine you take the, the cheerful young people who are, who really, they never disagree with each other on the cycle. They just sort of laugh and joke and they, they they all clearly – they laugh a lot. They smile. I turned the sound off on that thing. They spend a lot of time nodding and laughing and nodding and laughing because that's what you want your audience doing. So if you do it, your audience will subconsciously mimic the behavior they're watching. And so, hey, we're having a good time here. It's friends. It's sex in the city. You know what I'd like to see middays? I'd like to see Henry Rollins and Linda Ellerby. Yep. That's what I'd like yep. to see. You want, you want to get me uh, to um, – Shut down whatever I'm doing at, at two o'clock in the afternoon and watch your silly network. You put someone like Rollins, some truth tellers, yeah, who want on, facts, yeah, on the air yeah. for an hour. I, I would find that riveting and fascinating. I, I was, but this came, this came to me as a, who would I like to see on the air? Yeah, I would like to see Hunter Thompson. Yeah, who's dead, of course, but. Puts for God's sakes, nobody's watching your fucking show, and this is a rating disaster anyway. How about you try something different? If this is your little, you know, if this is your skunk works, if this is your laboratory. Why don't you try something actually interesting instead and of daring. trying to yeah. market yeah. to a, a particular group of people based on what your focus groups are telling you 
they want to see around a table. Oh, here, here's the lady who's, who's attractive. Here's the opposite lady who's attractive. Here's the black guy. Here's the white guy. Let, and everybody be cheerful. Everybody laugh. Don't spend too much time worrying about anything. Just go, go, go. Have fun with it and flow with it. Bullshit. Try something interesting. For God's sake. Well, and I think, I think they are using this and I think it is a summer replacement show. I think they're using it to simply train this on air talent and why Essie Cup is there. Maybe she's there to train the other three to sort of talk back at stuff like, you know, oh, you can hear about it on Town Hall. Um, The Alan Combs. Oh, God. Yeah. But. You know that the ratings are terrible for it, and uh, it, it is kind of the joke of the network that this show is on. And, and give it time, maybe they'll get better, maybe not. But Essie kept deciding to quote uh, Town Hall as a debunking of a fact-based article is uh, something else. Well, and if you want to see a, a lively bunch of people um, who who look like America, who who are men and women. Um, of of all ages, but but mostly young or younger, relative to where I am in my life, um, who are uh, of all backgrounds, uh, all races, talking really good shit. Just go watch Chris Hayes. Yeah. Go watch yeah. Melissa Harris Perry. Yep. I will watch that shit all day long. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. wonderful. It yeah. can be done correctly, but yes, this roundtable friends, let's keep it light and chipper, guys. Bullshit. Is not the way. Is not what anyone I know wants to see on television when talking about politics. Well, and I'm giving I'm giving them the leeway of saying they're just training their on air talent yeah. with it with the throwaway show that nobody watches that hour anyway. So that's the way it goes. You know, we love our listeners, and you can listen to our podcast for free at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com. I put a new banner up at professionalleft.blogspot.com, which allows you to click over to Stitcher Radio and vote up and favorite our podcast. Warning, there is a one downside to clicking that link, and that is it autoplays our latest podcast. So put headphones on or be aware that when you click that link, it will autoplay our podcast. But there are two buttons there that you can really help us out. We have beat Neil Cavuto in the top 100. We have Mm -hmm. beat Rush Limbaugh, and we have beat Glenn Beck. We are above all three of those losers. We're at 71 now on Stitcher Radio wow. for news and politics. Which is shocking. Which is shocking. And, 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 and there's only two of us working on this show, by the way. Well, and that's, that's, and, and if, you, if you zip over to my blog and look for um, Professional Left Update. Yeah. Um, I, and believe me, this is not a comment on the quality of anyone's work. There's, there's a bunch of stuff on, the, on Stitcher that you and I are both fans oh, of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but for sure. pretty much almost – not everyone, but almost everyone else in the top 100 is a corporation yeah. or comes has from a the backing of a, of a an or- organization, an organization, yeah, an organ- a, usually a media organization or are or they are a celebrity in their own right yep. who does this as a sidelight, and that's again not not to do with quality, but there are almost no self-starting um, mom pa shop podcasts up there, and. In podcasting, we're still in early days. It's still 2003, yeah. still 2002. We're still early days. So, so we, you help us out by voting it up, by commenting on it at Stitcher. I, you can't comment. You can go on Stitcher and honestly, on this link at our website, you don't have to have a, a smartphone. You can just click on the link and go over there and vote us up and favorite us. So, And it helps us move up the scale of way, way above Neil Cavuto, which we would like to do. <laughs> Just for just for shits and giggles, we would like to do that. <laughs> uh, so that's our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com. We have a Facebook page, and I'm Francis Langham on Facebook. Feel free to friend me. We're on iTunes and through our fabulous app available at the iTunes store, which in addition to our podcast gives you access to both our blogs and our Twitter streams. So we would you really need to follow Drift Glass, who is at Mr. Underscore Electrico on Twitter. I am. And I'm at Blue Gal on Twitter. Again, we're on Stitcher Radio, and we are on Netroots Radio, 6 to 7 Pacific and 9 to 10 Eastern at netrootsradio.blogspot.com Saturday nights. Uh, We would appreciate a contribution. Um, I did the math, and less than 1% of our listeners give any money to this podcast, and we appreciate you so much. Those of you that are able to send 5, 10, whatever, bucks to our podcast to support us this is our job 
and uh, we really appreciate your support. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or a contribution at our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. We have a letter show coming up in two weeks on July 13th. We will be reading your letters on the air, all letters, all the time. Send us a letter either to our P.O. Box or to our email address. I want to make a correction, Drift Glass, on last week's Internet Kitty. Yes. Eomer is a character in The Lord of the Rings, and I should have Googled that and known that. I should have known that in my head anyway, but uh, I forgot. And so that's where the name Eomer comes from. Mm-hmm. Duh. Uh, we were going to make... I take, I take responsibility for that. Well, I'm supposed to know all of the characters. My major and minor in every one of the... Uh, the Tolkien the Tolkien books, all right. Yeah, except, you know... I read told I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but um, some things stick with me and some things don't. Well, that, that's a nice name for a kitty. Naming a kitty after a Lord of Rings character is a really cool thing to do. So we apologize for that, for not recognizing that. Uh, we were going to make the Internet Kitty this week, AffordableCareCat.com, which is very a very funny website. If you go over to AffordableCareCat.com, there are some affordable care cats that are being upheld on the internet. We want to give a plug to that. But our internet kitty this week is Madame Foucault. And she is sent to us by uh, a friend of the podcast and a longtime blog buddy, Tex mm-hmm. Betsy from the blog Relaxed Politics, yeah. sent us uh, Madame Foucault, and she's also known as Fooey. So and she's not she's not swinging back and forth, is she? No, she's uh, lounging. She is lounging. Yes, she's up at our Facebook page and our website. Feel free to write us. Be aware that if you write us, either at our email address or our snail mail address, we reserve the right to read your email on the air, and we may very well read it on July thirteenth, unless you say otherwise. And feel free to give us instructions as far as how to identify you, if you don't want to be identified. We are perfectly willing to. Uh, accommodate you in any way that we can. Absolutely. So, Drift Glass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties want Canada to move down here. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, dubbing. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying and the fellow with the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2012. Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast.